you know, I've been waiting for this interview because um, it felt interesting to be sort of looking at something that looks like me. <laughs> and I thought that would be fun. So, <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> how, do you, uh, how do you maintain such a healthy beard? Well, I have lots of practice uh, during the pandemic when I could no longer find my way to anyone that could support me in my beard growing endeavors. I uh, took it upon myself to learn how to, you know, keep myself in good shape and in good uh, in good housekeeping order. Well, it's a good job. It's uh, lustrous, luminous. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it in the height of the COVID days. It was a lot longer and a lot healthier. So, oh, really? Oh, definitely. Yes, we'll get back there during the winter. Good. I can't seem to get to quite that length, but uh, but the hair is good. You know, the scalp seems to seems to work out. Um, I use a good razor in the shower. It works mm -hmm. good. That's the move, huh? Absolutely. Every day. Every day. Seven o'clock. I have, sit in the barber's chair and I take care of myself. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Just before you um, we started, you mentioned that you used to be a DJ. Yeah. What did you used to spin? Oh, gosh. So this takes me back to my college days when I was at UCLA. I did a little stint at the radio station. So uh, now you're back into the... Uh, uh, early nineties. So, uh, a lot of loud, heavy metal, uh, classic seventies, uh, Led Zeppelin, the doors, right. And then just a lot of Motley Crue was always top of mind. Uh, anything that had loud, strong electric guitar was definitely blaring, uh, from my midnight to 3am shift. Wow. Yes. I was the newbie. So I had the graveyard shift. Which worked really well going into a coffee shop at 5 a.m. to open. So I was well prepared to keep myself oiled and fueled. Well done. It was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Well done. Um, you play an instrument? I don't. I tried uh, multiple times when I was uh, younger. I tried to learn uh, the drums. I was a epic failure. And then uh, years ago, a little bit later, I tried to learn uh, how to play the guitar. Um but just given sort of my work life and how hard I work, it was really difficult even trying to keep myself staying awake on the couch trying to play. So I think after uh, quite a few weeks of my wife finding me slunched over my guitar, she said, you know, nice try. Uh, we decided to move on. But it's always been a goal of mine, a fascination. I love music. Um, part of why I relished obviously coming down to Santa Monica was being home with KCRW. So I'm just a big fan of new music, international music, all kinds of music. Yeah, great. Me too, actually. I find it to be a uh, sort of the pulse of existence. Mm -hmm. I find it amazing that you can have um, basically a formula to create an emotion using sound. Yeah. Like once you understand music theory, mm -hmm. you can, like it's it's remarkable that certain frequencies will make you feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I've always found that just like uh, mm -hmm. spiritually interesting in a sense even, right? It's like, how does it do that? The connection there yeah it's the rhythm you know i just love the way music can can get you energetic it can get you going uh but you know if your mood's somber there's songs for that too it's just there's always something to listen to so um i always have something playing somewhere on my headphones or in my office or wherever you know it's interesting when i think about music and it's you know there's art and music really those are the two the audio and visual processing creative ventures mm -hmm. um 
And a lot of times when I'm thinking about the organizations that I run, um, how to bring these kind of creative things into the organization. And um, of course, there's more than just music or art, but um, when you th in thinking about building city culture, when you think about people bringing sort of their, their, their best selves into an organization, the things that make them interesting, um, the things that make um, them feel like they can be themselves and thrive. Uh, that's always something that I know I found particularly important um, in organization building. I'm wondering how at the city level, there are certain things that either you see as possible or can be done uh, or have been done in the past. Uh, but more future projecting that can, sure. be, that can be done around this type of personal creative development within a workspace to um, help people thrive. Well, I, 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 I think there's a few things. I, um, so we spend a lot of time at work. Um, and in a lot of ways, our work becomes our second families, right? We put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And so personally, I feel it's very important to be authentic in who you are in the job. Um, so I personally do that by being myself. Like I said, um, I play music in my office. Sometimes it's the music I love that no one else loves. And hopefully it, you know, uh, finds, um, you know, uh, you know, it finds a connection to someone passing by my office. So, you know, I think it's obviously, uh, showing that by example, being who I am, um, being the person, uh, who, you know, I am when I go home being fun and silly when I can, when the time is right. Uh, another great example was, um, I don't know if you're into animals at all, but, um, I have enjoyed, uh, there's a couple of falcons that live on top of the Campanile in Berkeley and they have webcams on them. Uh, and my wife will laugh that I'm even talking about it uh, here in this setting, but I absolutely adore watching these little falcons grow from being hatched as eggs and growing up. And, you know, I put that up on the screen when we have meetings. Um, it's just a wonderful opportunity just to do something fun and different, a little therapy. So, you know, for me, um, that's absolutely what I think is important. And I see that a lot in our organization, um, which is really exciting for me. So, when I joined Santa Monica right now, about seven months ago, um, I was really inspired uh, by the work of the organization around diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Really big words that mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But one of the areas where um, that I've been inspired for where the employees have taken the organization is really strong affinity groups. So uh, folks who are centered around the African-American community, the Latino, Latina community, uh, Asian American Pacific Islander community, um, Pride Month, right? You see all these wonderful things that employees are leading on their own to bring recognition, to bring support, to bring awareness, right? To employees, to the community. And to me, that is like a, a fabulous expression of who people are as individuals um, and who their community and culture is. And so I really support and cherish and relish that work. And, you know, tomorrow we'll be kicking off pride month um in santa monica and i'm overwhelmed by all the tremendous events but you know we've seen this time and again uh the group that did the asian american pacific islander month celebration I mean, it just brought wonderful events to the city capped off with a really fabulous uh, food truck 
uh, celebration in front of City Hall where we got to celebrate different cultures through dance, right? The arts, um, just w wonderful opportunity. So there's lots of that. You know, September we'll be celebrating uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. So, you know, I really enjoy in seeing uh, the employees that have really embraced this work. They're doing it on their own time. Uh, they're sacrificing extra hours. Um, but to me, it means a lot because it's time for how folks create that belonging, right, to the organization where they can infuse who they are, right, into their work. And that's, you know, what I try to do as well. That's great. Yeah. Well, I imagine doing that kind of activity um, and that kind of feeling that you get there is a, a form of vulnerability to be mm -hmm. able to share, you know, things that you may not immediately share with a stranger, but now you're being open about yourself and that creates the space for other people to do the same, um, a feeling of safety. Right. So I, I, I guess when I think about it, I, that's a wonderful way to do that. So oh, it's, on you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fabulous. I, and you know, I, I agree with you. There is vulnerability, right? There is courage for folks to bring, a lot of this forward, right? Because, you know, we have to be honest that we live in a world that, you know, is filled with bias and filled with racism. And so you worry, right? I certainly imagine folks worry about how, you know, some of these events will be met or these conversations will be met, but they're just hugely important, right? Yeah. To build a better world, to build a better community, um, to really move forward and learn about each other and learn what's important to each other. Yeah. Um, I'm just hugely behind it. So I'm I'm grateful for what they do and I support what they do and I just enjoy participating in the events. Yeah. I actually, I, I, I suppose it's even, it creates a feeling of purpose behind that, mm -hmm. right? Where, where they know that they can go into work every day and feel like what they're doing is, is important work and valuable to them intrinsically and also extrinsically. Um, but that there's real meaning there. And I, I know that creates so. good employees, right? I hope so, right? I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, everyone comes into government for different reasons and public service for different reasons. Um, for me, it's always been about, you know, the, the desire, the passion to help people, right? Build a better community, have a better quality of life. Um, and certainly uh, it, it's important to create that meaning and purpose around your daily work, right? Because the work can be a grind, um, particularly going through COVID where, you know, it's been really hard, right? Government workers have had to sacrifice uh, their health and safety to ensure, right, that services are provided 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so I certainly think the more that folks can identify and create meaning and purpose, right, beyond just the day-to-day -day, um, really helps keep everyone motivated. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, that really applies to everybody in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. You could argue that's one of the most important uh, aspects of doing what you do. One of Viktor Frankl's um, man's search for meaning. Don't start quoting smart people. I won't keep up with you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, it's great. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I quote that often because it always comes up about just, well, purpose and actually suffering. He says suffering ceases to become suffering um, when there's meaning behind it. You have a real sense of meaning. Um, it's how he made it through the Holocaust and being in concentration camps and so i always i always kind of put that out there something that inspires me um but um how were i mean there was a lot of layoffs mm -hmm. right there was a lot of changes mm -hmm. through covid um there was uh, also a lot of good things that came out of covid um you know outdoor seating 
mm-hmm. seems to be a almost unanimously good thing. Uh, more than any other thing I think I've heard in the city. Most people seem to agree that, you know, mm-hmm. Europe's been doing this forever. We're 130 years late to the game. Outdoor seating in the best climate in the world is good. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> how, so how, what are the things that we should, that you think that we can keep from the new innovations that have come out and what are, you know, given some of the the hard losses to the city, have there been efficiencies that have created or developed from realizing that, okay, well, maybe this thing wasn't actually needed and we should pivot in this way to make a more efficient or uh, a better operating uh, city. Sure. So, I mean, as you alluded, um, you know, COVID hit every community different and um, it hit Santa Monica especially hard, right? So it was a combination of multiple factors. Um, The reliance on tourism and the leisure industry, our heavy reliance on the technology and office-based sector, right? So a lot of folks, um, you know, continue to and work remotely. So we lost a lot of foot traffic that way. And then just obviously, right, just people stopped spending money for a period of time. So the organization went through some very difficult times that resulted in devastating losses. I think if I have my facts correct, uh, up to about 420 employees or positions were uh, lost during the pandemic. <clears throat> and, you know, uh, the organization had tremendous resource constraints, right? So capital programming was cut by more than half. Reserves were depleted, right? All the things we need to rely on, right? To build a great community um, and to ensure that we can continue to pro- provide services. All of that was stressed and challenged and people worked under tremendous, tremendous conditions. So, you know, lots of innovation, right, has occurred and continues to occur. And we'll see, you know, what sticks and what we continue to hold on to. So I'll be a little bit more specific. Uh, Certainly, uh, I wasn't in Santa Monica, but I can certainly attest to my own experience working government pre-pandemic, right? The whole notion of remote work, the whole notion of meeting electronically uh, was really more of an afterthought, right? Maybe from time to time, um, but certainly nothing that was regularly part of our vernacular. Um, I think that we have all certainly come to realize that flexibility in the workplace is going to last for a long, long time, if not forever. So, you know, certainly we uh, as an employer and as an organization have to uh, continue to embrace, right, all these things, remote working, flexible work arrangements, right, because people have all kinds of different home situations. Uh, Commuting is not any easier uh, and people really appreciate that. So I see that as certainly being something that we have learned to adapt, learned to adopt, uh, that I see continuing to move forward. Um, I think, you know, obviously outdoor dining is huge and the city has embraced outdoor dining. Um, We have continued to keep it moving forward. Um, It has has its set of challenges for the organization, right? Maintaining streets, maintaining sidewalks, maintaining trees, right? All new things we have to come to to learn to live with and figure out how to do. Uh, But, you know, we have great folks who are struggling with this all the time. And so we're really looking forward to creating a permanent outdoor program for people for the community, for our businesses, um, because it's just, it's such a great way to enjoy the city, right? Just seeing people out and about. I certainly enjoy riding my bike down Main Street and uh, moving around Montana and seeing folks out there eating. And personally, I do it all the time with my wife. It's great. So, you know, I see that certainly standing uh, the test of time and whatever configuration we can, you know, help to, to support for sure. 
Um, and I think the area that's really emerging now, and I've had a lot of talk with our human resources director about this, um, but it's well-being, right? It's being able to understand where employees are. And I see what I really see coming out of the pandemic is a much more concerted effort and discussion and focus on employee well-being. Um, as I said, you know, earlier, and I certainly think about um, my own experience when, you know, the economy shut down uh, in middle of March, right, that didn't trigger from the government side of the house a shutdown, right? We had to go uh, into full operational mode. We had to support our communities. We had to figure out how we were going to manage our resources through uncertainty, right? Who knows how to prepare a budget in the middle of a pandemic? There's no roadmap for what the future is going to hold, <clears throat> how to help our residents, how to help our businesses through these really difficult times. And so what I see not only in myself personally, right, and what I see in uh, many of the employees that I come into contact with is exhaustion, right? It's been two and a half years of being on day and night and the uncertainty of having to come to work and not know, are you safe? Are you in a healthy environment, right? We can provide all the PPE in the world, but I remember the early days of the pandemic, wearing a mask, am I wearing a mask right? I'm standing in line to go to the grocery store. I'm in city hall doing my business. We don't really, no one knew about this COVID thing, right? First, we thought we would get it from touching desks and we were dousing ourselves with hand sanitizer. Then we learned it's all through aerosol. Does it stick in your ventilation system? How do you, you know, what, how does it work? So, you know, that's been really hard. And, you know, you had the original wave, then you have the Delta wave, then you have the Omicron wave. Now we have Omicron, I don't know, 2.0, 3.0, and people who've been vaccinated, boosted, right? I know people have been sick one, two, three times with this thing. And so, you know, it, it really stresses everyone out and it gets people to the point of just utter fatigue. And so I've really appreciated our human resources director who's really helped to center our discussions in the organization on well-being. And I know we're going to have to do a lot more of it and be more present in these discussions, me personally, as well as our leadership, um, as well as our managers, as well as our supervisors, because I think it's going to be incumbent upon ourselves to support folks, right? As the world recovers, um, it's not just going to be an easy pivot from emergency response mode for two and a half years to sort of supporting everything back to the way it was. It's gonna be really hard because the demands on the human beings doing work throughout the entire organization don't change, right? They were put under tremendous stress during COVID and now as the world comes back to life, tremendous stress to keep the community uh, really moving forward and humming. Mm -hmm. So I, I see that as just being a, one of those things that we are going to uh, really have to accelerate into that we've learned um, from this pandemic. So. Things like outdoor seating, though, seems like it's here to stay. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah, okay. oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we got folks and we have a whole team focused on economic recovery. Um, we've been really present in extending outdoor dining as we've been working towards an overall program. And I hope, you know, and probably the, this month, I was going to say end of June, but it is this month, um, if not sometime sooner, we're going to be presenting to council a formal program so that it can be perpetuated. Right. Anything else in that category that you think is here to stay? Hygiene things? I think masks are going to be here to stay, right? You know, the on again, off again tool that you need to help keep yourself uh, safe and protected. I think this is just going to kind of be sort of the status quo norm. Uh, 
home antigen testing. I see that is not going away anytime soon, mm-hmm. right? Super important. Make sure if you're not feeling well, don't come to work. So, you know, easy way to test. I see all those kinds of things as being here. Yeah. Anything that was um, cut that you think maybe will stay cut? You know, it, um, hmm, that's a really good, I, I, I like that um, opening for a discussion because, you know, we, um, there's all kinds of ways uh, that we sort of mine and understand where the community is on all kinds of issues, right? So since I've uh, been here, um, I've worked really hard uh, to be present at neighborhood meetings, attend as many meetings as I possibly can, meet people, right? Get introductions and hear kind of what is present, what folks want to keep, uh, what folks think, well, maybe we don't need to do um, more of anymore. And where I'm headed is we recently did a um, poll and a survey in the community. And one of the questions that we asked folks was, you know, what do you want to see the city focus on in this post-pandemic period? Not quite sure we're in a post-pandemic period, but I think we're in a living with the pandemic period. And that's really what it's centered on. homelessness, public safety, right? Number one. Number two in that list, restoring public services. So when you look at where we are today uh, compared to where we were as an organization pre-pandemic, we are providing a much lower level of service and folks are frustrated, right? So uh, where I live in Sunset Park, I'm right kind of perfectly situated between two libraries. One library is partially open, one library is fully closed. And I hear without any hesitation, right, from my neighbors, from the neighborhood leaders, uh, from folks throughout the city, we want our libraries restored. Uh, We had a tremendous assortment of after-school programs for, you know, uh, elementary school, middle school, uh, children, future leaders in our community. We're about 30 to 40 percent of programs of what we used to provide, right? Folks, parents spoke to representatives of the PTA are hungry for us to restore these kind of after-school programs, which is so important, right, foundationally in terms of building a community, right, giving our future leaders structure and an opportunity, right, to play, to learn, to educate, to recreate, to, you know, whatever, um, so that they're not, you know, just going home as latchkey kids. Um, There's plenty of services that we used to provide that have resulted in sports fields being closed, right, where... Uh, Families want to enjoy our parks in the open space, but because we don't have the maintenance staff to take care of them, we have to keep some of our facilities locked up. I could go on, and all this is deeply, deeply frustrating. And so, you know, when the question gets asked, you know, I have not heard uh, folks personally as of yet saying, oh, we're so happy we don't have access to that service. Uh, What I hear is a lot of, we really want the city to come back strong and restore services. And we're very centered on that um, every day. Finance director, assistant city manager, myself, our leadership team are thinking a lot about all this. Um, you mentioned something in there about being able to play and innovate. Mm-hmm. And whether it's through COVID, through the experience that you just mentioned that people are having, really, and what the city is going through, um, there's always been this sort of... Um, no is the first answer when it comes to doing stuff in cities. Sure. And most cities kind of know this, right? There's just like this, hey, we want to put this event on. Hey, we want to, you know, from small to big, right? And there's there's the total spectrum of this. Um, 
but traditionally, at least from my years and ex- uh, ears and experience, so ears and years. <laughs> <laughs> very good, Evan. Very good. Um, the, uh, there tends to be that uh, pushback for innovation and risk taking, and um, and it's not just Santa Monica; it's everywhere. It's bureaucracy in general. Right. Right? It's the nature of bureaucracy, but most bureaucracies ha- um, n- either know that and are okay with it, or some, you know, like we'll call it like I don't know, like Google, right? Where actually they. Th- Think of things like small businesses, right? They think of things like how do you have a, a laboratory of innovation that you can test ideas and um, they're rewarded for coming up with uh, new solutions to problems and don't have to necessarily worry about the backlash. Um, so, and, and part of that is the, the villainization of people where they can be publicly um, dismissed and barraged with mean things and now that's you know on the internet their kids have to see that sometimes so sure this is some of the you know the connection between these two and um i'm wondering how we can go continue obviously a, a private corporation is different than a city based on the people they serve and the need to serve as many people as possible um in a fair and equitable way but how do we get there so that we can have a getting to yes mentality? Well, um, I, I guess a few things, you know, and I, I'm still learning um, the community and still learning the organization and still meeting all kinds of employees. My experience of Santa Monica from the outside and my experience of Santa Monica from the inside um, is one that is filled with all kinds of amazing leaders, right? As I have met more and more uh, employees uh, throughout the entire organization, right? Um, I am consistently, consistently excited, enthused, um, moved, and um, just really empowered by just the high level of employees that are in this organization, right? That has produced all kinds of wonderful things over time. So, right, I know some of these things uh, are not always uh, met with enthusiasm in all parts of the community. Um, So I say this, but just to show really tangible examples, right? So you go to City Hall. um, And if you see sort of that City Hall East building that was uh, opened and completed during COVID, right? That was a demonstration, right, to the private sector of what you can do to create a sustainable living building, right? And that building is amazing, right? I know it was expensive and I know there's controversy surrounding it, um, but th- that is, right, those are, that's one example of who is, right, the employee of Santa Monica. Um, you look at our, and I'm going to completely obliterate it and our folks in our sustainability office will be completely upset with me, but we have our zero emission delivery zone. I think that's the right term. And right. So it's all centered around, you know, a small area within, uh, ocean park. And, you know, we're testing out these robots that deliver food. We're restricting certain types of vehicles from coming into the area. I believe we're trying motionless cars, right? All these things to try to create this environment, right, to help address this urgent crisis around climate change, um, to really help bring forward some new ideas, right, for a more sustainable Santa Monica. Um, and I can go on and on and on, right? We'll, I'm sure we'll touch on the issue of homelessness. If you look at the 
innovations that our police department, our community services department are bringing forward around the issue of homelessness, right? Again, another controversial subject, but parking structure three, right? Dedicating city land for affordable housing. Um, these are all things, right, predate me, but really demonstrate the leadership of the city council, demonstrate the leadership of the organization to advance some big, bold things forward. And so certainly inherent in my responsibility and certainly my perspective is I want to continue to cultivate that. Now, that's really hard in an organization, right, that has gone through the types of cuts that we've been through. And it's sort of, uh, there's a phrase that always rings with me, tyranny of the urgent, right? So you can get very caught up in sort of the crisis of now. And, you know, you can sometimes lose connection with the ability to think long term and be visionary. And I do my best to try to occupy part of my time with that, right? When I go home at night or when I'm working during the day, try to think about what are the next few steps down the road that I'm, I want to leave a legacy or help build the community, right? W what are the things that are important to residents or to businesses that I want to lay the, the groundwork from? And I think to get there, right, you have to continue to provide space and allow for people to make mistakes, right? So uh, not get hung up on when something doesn't go right, not get hung up on when something doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out. You just sort of take that step back. You want to learn from it. Um, and then you see how it goes. Great example. So um, when uh, I joined the city, uh, police chief joined the city, uh, many uh uh, acting temporary interim leaders became permanent, we were challenged with the peer, right? The peer uh, had been uh, impacted deeply by uh, vendors, uh, sidewalk vending. And that was a concern around public safety. It was a concern around public health. And it was a concern around the environment. And the organization had been chewing on different approaches and strategies to address the issue. <clears throat> not my idea, but a great idea, right, was to create a dedicated team uh, focused on with our police department, with our fire department, with code enforcement, public works, city attorney's office. Again, not my idea, but a great idea from the bottom of the organization, right, to create a team dedicated towards addressing vendors at the pier. And I think uh, without any hesitation, I would say, residents would say, uh, stakeholders in our business community say we've been wildly successful. But when we, when we, when our employees put together this approach and deployed it, no one knew that it would be successful, right? And when I was educating folks about this pivot in our approach, right, I was always up front, like this could work, this could not work. But whatever the outcome is, right, I'm totally open and want the space for us to try. Because if you don't try, right, then you have regret. And so for me, right, it was creating that supportive environment to say, go for it, right? And let's see how it goes. We'll go one week in, two weeks in, three weeks in, four weeks in, whatever the case may be. And they did it. And our city council supported us. The business community supported us, right? It was absolutely answering the call of the day. And that's innovation, right? And Creating that space for folks to try was what was really important to myself and our employees that worked on that team in January that work on this team today are just absolutely knocking out of the ballpark. I mean, they are delivering results that I don't think anyone thought, right, was absolutely possible when it started, but they've wildly exceeded expectations and I'm just grateful. Wow. And you just named some, some pretty big ticket items, right? Yeah. Like Big city hall, homelessness, the pier. These are like your big top, 
top of the news sort of issues, right? Santa Monica. Um, that's right. Um, does do you feel that that inf is infused that that um, mentality is infused at the more I'll use the word mundane stuff or maybe to be more positive about it, just everyday sort of you know interactions that you have when you go to the the service desk or whatever do you do you feel that the getting to yes mentality and that sort of innovative approach trickles down um to the day-to-day -to -day experience of people and the community with the people at the city personally i think so does that mean it's a hundred percent all of the time from every single person in every single part of the organization probably not people have bad days right uh People don't engage in an interaction while well, things happen, right? But um, my perspective, absolutely. So, right, small, boring things. Um, you might talk about, uh, so our public works director uh, recently brought a boring item to council, right? Uh, wanted to bring on a classification of a maintenance worker, right? The notion being that a maintenance worker can provide a more flexible set of skills to the community, right? Can be present in uh, maintaining city facilities and can go out and do and build tremendous amenities for the community, like the Bubba Gump to the beach boardwalk, right? So um, that is, right, the result of uh, managers and supervisors and employees who are thinking about, right, how can we deploy a workforce uh, that is maximally supportive and efficient. And that's a really good example. Um, we have a tremendous 311 call center, right? Going through its own set of growing pains because it's getting more and more uh, popular as the day goes by, right? But that was rooted right in the time of COVID, right? Coming up with a centralized mechanism where you can report, right? Issues that you see in the community, right? Big, small. I use it all the time. I go on a run, Right. The joke it certainly is, uh, is it going to be a 50 minute run or is it going to be an hour and a half run? Because I may stop too many times, right, to report things to it. I'm sure you keep a steady jog in place. But, you know, I, I give, <laughs> you know, uh, the individual who oversees through on Christopher, he, I give him a lot of credit, right? So he is constantly thinking about how to improve that service. And so they're bringing together employees from our uh, resource our RRR division, solid waste division, and they're uniting those employees with our core 311 employees to create a much stronger operating unit, right? That can respond to a whole host of issues where there was some duplication or there was some confusion occurring um, to really help support that function for the community. So yes, I, I think people are constantly thinking about ways to get to yes, to make things better. Um, but you know, we're human. Well, there's only so many hours in the day Right. Uh, and you know, uh, we can't, we don't always, you know, get to every issue, uh, right away. I guess that's sort of the way it goes. Um, the, uh, do you see, um, or do you experience, um, a level of polarity when it comes to some of these day-to-day -day things? Do you experience, um, within city hall? Um, and within the community, but on the, on the general experience there, obviously on big ticket items, there's plenty of polarity. Sure. Um, do you experience that at, at city hall where people are, you know, um, there's opportunity for better ways to get to yes in terms of, so you don't have too much battle, but it's done in a productive, um, discourse, less argumentative sure. kind of experience. Well, um, Always, right? I mean, when you are in an organization with very um, 
talented, experienced, some tenured, some like myself that are new, right? Different set of experiences. You're always going to have um, polarity in how to address issues, right? Some folks bring a different set of experiences to the table and think it something should be done X. Other folks think it should be done Y. Um, ultimately, right? That's healthy, and hopefully, that conflict, if there, if it is genuine conflict. Um, can produce a healthy dialogue and conversation and some form of collaboration, right, to find a path forward. <clears throat> and that exists in the community as well, right? Santa Monica is a very dense environment, right? So, you know, I think a lot of places where I spend time on, right, are managing that interface between public, business, and residential spaces, right, where it creates all kinds of, and I think, believe that's been amplified under COVID, right? People are working from home, right? And that's a different experience to the community than they would have had before. So there is very, there's a lot of polarity, right? In trying to figure out and address those common everyday issues, right? To the, to the maximum benefit of those who live next to these environments and for those who are enjoying these environments. Um, and that's a really challenging situation. Would you feel like the city does this in a healthy way? I, I feel like I'm surrounded by talented people that do it all the time in a healthy way. That's good. Yeah. Lucky. Totally. <laughs> um, as of course, at the, at, we'll say at the council level or um, on some of the bigger items, um, where do you feel there's needs for improvement? Well, I, I wouldn't suggest improvement. I, I think, you know, for me, it's about context, right? So, um, I'm really lucky to have the council that I have. You've got seven um, very smart, very energetic, uh, very passionate individuals, right? Who uh, have deep connections to the city, right? And who care tremendously for the current and the future of this city, right? Sure. They are very yeah. concerned about like day-to-day -day response and then where we head in the future. So, you know, I. I, I think most folks have to appreciate and understand that when you have individuals who have their own belief systems, it will produce conflict. It will produce debate, right? It will produce differences of opinion. Um, what I appreciate is that, you know, they can have that dialogue and conversation, right? But ultimately provide myself, right, which is what I need, clear direction on how to move forward. Um, and I'm grateful that they're able to center me right on those issues that are important. They've been all very generous. Um, and I'm grateful for this because they're very busy, right? This is a, I, I think most folks don't always appreciate this is fun. I mean, council members are public service at its finest, right? They are part time. Uh, you've probably heard this before. They are paid a pittance, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about the commitment to the city and it's all about the passion for the city. And there's all kinds of different ways to make the city better, right? And each one of them like bears that in their heart and their mind. And so they're very generous with me, right? Which is sort of a gift personally, right? Because they have busy lives to help me understand what's important to them. And my job is really to help listen or not to help, but to listen um, to that and then bring that forward in the daily work. Um, and so um, when you talk about improvement, I don't really think about improvement. I just think about continuing to want to deepen the relationship. I think the only other comment I make is also context is important for the council, right? Many, three of them came on board um, uh, right in front of a pandemic. Uh, others came on board during a pandemic. 
<clears throat> and if you think about put yourself in the shoes of a council member, put yourself in the shoes of a city manager, right? Like you want, like you're inherently inclined to do, to make things better, right? And that can mean all kinds of different things to each individual person. But put yourself in the shoes of a group of individuals, right? Like who had to come into an organization that had just been decimated, right? Significant cuts, lack of resources. And then you're just constantly in a crisis mode, right? Like the primary function of a government is to help manage through an emergency. And that's where they're focusing their first, you know, time on the council. That's really hard. And then you take transitions in leadership, right? Yeah. That the organization has seen. So that becomes really hard for the council to build, you know, strong relationships with the leaders of the organization to move it forward. Sure. And so I don't really think about improvement as much. I think we all have to be focused on the context of where we were and where we are. And I'm very positive about the future, right? Um, like I said, they've been very generous with me. I try to give them all the time in the world that I can. Um, and likewise, they give me all the time that they can give me. And I hope that will help us as we continue to recover through the pandemic, that we'll really be able to accelerate um, and really do some of the things that they really want to do for the city. Sure. Yeah. And I think, I think much of the improvement, I guess I was referring to is more around the interaction with the community to create decreased, uh, intense, you know, polarity is fine, but, but the intensity, uh, and the, the level of communication at which that happens can sometimes be highly emotional and, sure. and particularly unproductive. And the people on council are people, they're mm -hmm. humans, they're not machines. Right. They have, they have feelings. Um, so a lot of times when I see people, um, yell at them, for example, or come off like that, you know, and, or make ad hominem attacks. Well, one, it's not nice Two, It's just not productive. Right. And you really can hurt someone's feelings. Who's just a public service. They're like you said, they're public. This is public service at its finest. Right. Um, so, um, you know, thinking about, how to create, and a lot of this leads to how do you get to a solution faster? Sure. Right. It's not just about the emotional aspect to it or the be nice aspect to it. The problem with polarity is one, it creates, it can, it can create problems or sorry, and we'll call it um, uh, unrest. <laughs> Maybe in polarity could even be the wrong word, but that sure. level is it can create um, heightened um, uh, responses to the situation that are unnecessary. And it also prevents you from getting to the solution sure. um, and ha or having really productive input. So that's usually where I see. And one of the reasons I um, created this podcast interview um, experience <laughs> for us to have here um, is that I really believe that that could be approved and we're experiencing it at a federal level. We experience it at local level. Sure. Um, so are there any improvements there that you see as possible? So that that's tough for me. Um, so I kind of wear different minds on the discussion. So, I mean, first and foremost, I would absolutely love, right? In my ideal world, I would love to be the shield for the council and for the community so that when folks are unhappy or there's a negative interaction, I'd love to be the one to take it. Right. I would love to be the one that can be in front of the yelling, the screaming, the upset, the passion, whatever it is. Right. Like I'd love to be that person. Unfortunately, I can't be in all those places at once. And I would love, right, 
to uh, encourage uh, every interaction to be uh, positive and compassionate, right, and productive and thoughtful, whatever the case may be. Caveat being, though, right, I can't control where any person is at in their lives, right? Um, they may have just experienced a loss in their family. Uh, they may have just received some very difficult news, right, in their professional life. Um, and so what I can't control for is like where people are at that moment in time that may result in a difficult, negative interaction for that reason. And so, you know, I try very hard from my perspective to be present and understand I don't know what's going on right in their world. And that interaction may be driven by a whole host of other factors sure. that I have absolutely no knowledge of and no control over. So while I want to always want for right positive communications, I know that's not always going to be realistically achievable. Um, I do hope, right, that both employees and the community tries to understand, right, that first interaction is filled with some form of compassion and interaction. But sometimes when you're passionate about where you live and you're passionate about an issue, right, that, that emotion drives the discussion and it leads to a different kind of energy. Um, again, I would always love for it not to be attacking or uh, that's really the confrontational. Key word. Attacking is really the key word right. there. Yeah, and I would love for all of us to have right deep training and nonviolent type communication and really know how to work with each other in that way. Um, but you know, as I see it in our employees, I see it in our residents, I see it in our businesses. Right, so people are exhausted from COVID. Right, people are frustrated with the high cost of living. Uh, people are sick and tired of seeing and feeling helpless around the mass shootings that we're seeing throughout this country. And so that can breed, right, sort of an exhaustion and fatigue that can result in difficult discussions and difficult interactions. Um, if we see that in each other, maybe it'll take some of the heat out of the room, right, and create a more um, collegial uh, discussion. Um, and I do my best, but even I've been prone to failure in that regard, right? I come to work sometimes and I might just be completely, right? You go to a council meeting till 2 or 3 a.m. and then you have to be back at work at 8.30 in the morning, yeah. right? And you can get hit with a big issue. And if, you know, if I don't take a deep breath, right? Yeah. I'm a human too. Well, yeah. And we're all humans. It would be nice for, in, in these tough issues, for us to realize that about each other. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, um, uh, one of the things, of course, now in being in this space for a while is you tend to notice that there's a small, a, a tendency for a small group of people um, in on any given thing. Um, they're not um, always exactly the same, but there's tendencies for a loud squeaky wheel minority to dominate a conversation around um, whatever the issue is from small to medium, large. Uh, and then because very often these people have time, money, they tend to be older. Right. Um, because of that, maybe they're done raising their family, you know, or they're retired or whatever, but it's, it's a small percentage of the population wish I knew that number, but I'm going to go with like, uh, if, if 5% of the people are actively involved in this, in, in, <laughs> in civic stuff of the people who live in Santa Monica, I don't know what that, and I mean active, like 
they go to their neighborhood meeting or, right. like, you know, um, then this is like a percent, 1% of that. And that it, the tendency is that those voices get heard. They write the most amount of emails, council hears them. And then the entire conversation shifts from what you would think a majority of people may want. Um, but they're articulate and, that seems to create local ordinances. And that's not just Santa Monica. Sure. Of course. Um, that is a, that is a systemic issue. Um, and I'm wondering your thoughts on that. Um, is it preventable? Um, and how does that, what does that mean when we're thinking about true democracy? Sure. So, um, I have two thoughts. Um, one is, I try to hold on to the notion of every voice is important or every voice counts. And I really try to honor the fact that um, even if it's one person or it's five people, uh, that folks have a lived experience. Um, and I think that it's uh, my obligation and my role, right, and my job uh, to hear one person, five people, a hundred people, a thousand people. Okay. So, uh, the challenge for us in government, though, is that we are making decisions, right, that should hopefully uh, create a legacy, stand the test of time, right, and uh, serve future generations and leave them better off. So how do you balance, right, what may be a loud voice or a few loud voices with sort of perspective? Because it may very well be the case, right? That one loud voice actually is spot on and truthfully ends up speaking for thousands and thousands of people. So um, I personally feel like it is incumbent upon uh, myself, uh, us as a city, right? To be engaged, right? To be attending, right? Meetings, neighborhood groups, having informal conversations to be able to understand kind of what are other points of view. So when you think about sort of the staff and council dynamic, right, we bring recommendations to the council infused with the best possible analysis where we have data to analyze, infused with the best possible summary of where the public is at on issues um, to help give them, right, as much information as they possibly can digest to make a decision. I talked earlier about we did a community poll, right? And so, you know, some would say, oh, there are segments of the community concerned about public safety and homelessness. Well, the poll spot on, right, identified what maybe some voices in a room are absolutely indicative and representative of what a lot of folks in Santa Monica believe. So uh, we do informal surveys, right? We do informal conversations. We talk with stakeholders, right? All of that is designed so that when uh, I may be speaking with the council about an issue or staff may be presenting a recommendation to an issue that at least they have other points of view um, for them to ultimately make a decision. So I think those are things that we can do and do do um, to really help to broaden the discussion uh, if there is a concern, right, that that's just an isolated or a specific voice. Um, with that being said, right, if it's one person and that person has deep roots and experience and they've got a lot of experience and sometimes it just takes one voice to, to move a discussion. Um, and that's how yeah. it goes. Yeah. There, and there are times where one person sparks something that's mm -hmm. like, wow, that's true. We didn't think of that. Right. Um, every, most people seem to feel one way, but this one person created mm -hmm. 
um, a real thought around, you know, it got us all thinking about this. So for, for example, previous experience, previous life, right? Um, uh, I was working, I was serving a commission um, and in doing the recruitment for that commission, right? Uh, one person was really bending my ear about how the application was framed, right? Real minor thing in the grand scheme of things. But really just concerned about the questions we asked, how we help to uh, folks to identify themselves, you know, their cultural ethnic background, uh, their gender identity, right? One person. And I took it to heart. I listened, worked with that person, uh, me and other folks, and we ended up producing a whole different application. Well, tremendously well received in the community, really appreciated the inclusiveness of it. Um, I didn't go out and necessarily seek the advice of thousands and thousands of people, right? But you can sometimes get a sense when even one voice in the room, right? Your wisdom, your morals, your ethics are touching a chord, right? They're, they're seeing something you don't see. And so, again, I always just really try to encourage that every voice counts because um, you have to be open to any individual's experience, right? Um, you just don't know where it's going to lead you may take you down a path you don't want to go down, but it may also open your eyes to a whole new set of experiences or emotions that you never had before. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's fairly meaningful. Well, so how do we blend that, which makes a lot of sense. Right. Um, of course, sometimes there's just the same people who just don't want things done. On the other side of that, because what you laid out was sort of a beautiful story right. or experience about when that can work out. Um, when it doesn't work out, it generally feels not fair, right? When right. what when what doesn't work? When out, there's though. when there's a small let's let, a small amount of people that can that can control a conversation, right? Um, that seems blatantly obvious to many people, and there's surveys done and all sorts of stuff, and then a few people come in with a couple ideas. The same, generally the same. Um, I don't know if it's the same voices, but the same type of uh, qualifications sure. that make that individual. Um, and it's a small percentage and that happens a bunch. So I, I think there's two scenarios here. One is the one you laid out and the other is the one where it's like, okay, there's really just, let's not do this because we don't want to do it. And it feels like it's the same argument over and over. Sure. Um, uh, and there's, there's a balance there somewhere, like everything. Right. Um, when do you know what that balance, <laughs> how to strike that balance? But I guess the bigger question is, what does democracy mean Sure. when it comes to striking that balance? Um, and how do we, well, I'll start with that. Yeah. What is democracy? What does democracy really mean when, it, and how do we in, encourage a deeper democracy and at the same time, try to strike that balance? Well, <laughs> uh, I think there are many different forms of democracy, right? Um, I'm not sure that I'm quite uh, astute enough in my civics anymore to quite get it right. But you I don't know, think you're giving yourself enough credit. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself. I'll, I'll bury myself deep. Um, but you know, we have a what I would consider right a representational form of democracy. Right, uh, voters vote uh, for council members um, to represent them. Right on the dais. Uh, two, three times a month, depending um, what the call of duty uh, actually is. 
Um, and so they have a council members have a set of perspectives, right, based on their accumulated experience, and they bring that to bear. So, right, um, some assumption may be or necessary to to sort of think through that, you know, they will bring forward, right, those things that are uh, important. And again, as sort of I suggest is I think that it's, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, why does government work, quote unquote, take so long? Well, um, if we do it right, right, when you build a building, that building is going to sit there for 50, 75, 100 years. So not saying that uh, anything is perfect, but you would certainly want a deliberative process to ensure that whatever, you know, rises up from the ground uh, will be uh, something that will stand the test of time. So a deliberative process is great in that regard. So when it comes to democracy, right, that's where you a deliberative process, right, is what probably what democracy should be about, an opportunity to listen to all voices, for myself to listen to all voices, for our staff, for our council, so that they can find a solution to a problem uh, that meets folks right where they're at. Um, where the where I think you could get caught into a trap, maybe, and this is kind of where the discussion resides, is you make a decision quickly based on right that one thing that comes up at the moment as opposed to allowing for a deliberative process seeing where folks want to be um and so that's why uh i don't mind when things take time if it's centered on true community engagement um putting information out there so we can get you know the response back about what's going on um because i think that ultimately helps right produce better outcomes um that does ultimately require trade-offs right concessions on all sides uh, in order to uh, allow someone's vested interest to maybe uh, be changed from what they initially went into a conversation on. Yeah. Well, do you see that um, there's, an, do you see opportunity to help in, engage the community in a richer way? Absolutely. How Always. Can, how can we do that? And maybe focus it on two ways in general, mm -hmm. but also at the staff level. Well, um, and it's hard, right? Again, there's only so many hours in the day, but I think as we get to more in-person type activities is putting ourselves in those spaces, right? Not just myself, but I do my best uh, where I can. Uh, certainly our staff as well. Um, and they're doing it, right? So last night, uh, I was hoping I was going to run into you. I went to the Pico Business Improvement District uh, board meeting. Um, and awkward interaction. I introduced myself uh, to this wonderful human being, uh, ended up being a city employee. So we ended up having a great conversation and I got to see, uh, the work that she's doing, got to learn a little bit about some of the great work that she's doing, maybe even outside of economic development. Um, and so I, you know, putting ourselves in those positions helps us frame recommendations and helps us frame new endeavors for council that we think are responsive. Yeah. Um, quick shout out to Jennifer Taylor, yeah. who is, uh, a, wonderful addition to this community mm -hmm. um in economic development um also with pio who's a great organization mm -hmm. and you know that does show an example um of and i've known jennifer for a long time um of a type of person who does really puts themselves into the community space mm -hmm. um it's exemplary i would say um, I, 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 there's lots of folks that do that every day. Yeah. It's really impressive. Yeah. Um, and she's, uh, really a leader at the city. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
I think that's another example of great leadership. Mm -hmm. People who do that. And I know from, you know, even for me, like I kind of got started on this path through the Ocean Park Association. Okay. Um, and eventually, after years of that, became president um, and had the opportunity of transforming the culture as I saw it to be one of um, calmer disposition with welcoming um, all perspectives, no yelling at the meetings. <laughs> that was a rule. I had to, I had to like actually say something to someone once. I'm like, hey, you don't have to agree, but you don't get to like yell at this person in this room. That's not cool. Um, but these uh, these types of organizations mm-hmm. are really where I see the neighborhood, the neighborhood and business district level are, are, are the real opportunity to, to one, learn how things work. Because mm-hmm. um, you can get involved in many levels, but if you really want to learn how the city works, those are the places I guess I see to start. Absolutely. And I I tend to encourage everyone who comes to me and says like, hey, Evan, how do I get involved? I know you're active. Like, or, you- or, right, or you can join a commission. We have tremendous commissions and you talk about democracy and ways that we get input. You know, we have, that's what a commission is for, right? Create more perspectives to look at issues. Or I'll give a plug for it, even though they're filled up for this time, right? Our police department does a fabulous Citizens Academy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't think they'll be recruiting again until August or September. Um, but that's a great way to see sort of firsthand uh, what our police department does all the time. Um, so there, there, there are lots of ways to really get engaged uh, with the government um, and influence the government and shape the government and just get a perspective. You, you, neighborhood meeting, neighborhood councils are absolutely a fabulous way. But I want to give a plug for our commissions because uh, we definitely want people to engage and apply and, and really yeah. be part of the team in that way. Yeah, they're great. They're just obviously harder. They're selective. There's work and, and they're very selective. Yep. You can only have so many people on a, at the neighborhood meetings. They sort of want people to go. Yep. They want lots of people there. You don't have to necessarily be elected to the board to participate. Your True. voice is heard. And that's how I think people think they can't make change. Mm-hmm. But if you start somewhere and you go to the places that welcome you, even council meetings, mm-hmm. your voice can be heard and you will influence, you will influence people by being there. Absolutely. So at the local level, I feel like the opportunity for democracy is is abundant. That's why I love local government. You know, it, it really is that place. And, and for me, it is uniquely that environment, that um, form of government where uh, you can see, right, the outcome of your advocacy. It impacts you. Right? Right. Folks who advocate for more police, we're, we bring forward a budget allocates more police, right? You don't want to see that residential project occur, right? You advocate and the planning commissions and the city council makes a decision and that project doesn't occur. You want to fight for, you know, XYZ to open up or a new resource, right? It can open up. So it it really is that area where you see uh, the direct impact of of, of people's direct action. Well, hopefully we can encourage more people to attend, show up, learn about how things work and have Absolutely. their voices heard and find innovative ways so people can have their voices heard easy, more easy, more easily on smaller issues that they're like, why did that thing, why did that tree go up on my thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I only got this one card in the mail mm-hmm. that looks more like a parking ticket. Well, well, it's written more like a parking ticket. It looks more sure. like a postcard. 
<laughs> sure. And you say, well, how many people are really going to engage on that? Maybe those are the places where we have opportunity, like mm -hmm. those mailers where it's like, hey, five local things you can participate in like today. Yep. Here they are. This is happening. Your chance to be part of this. Um, well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always say there is, um, you can look at just, if you're bald and bearded, you can look at any bald bearded guy and actually use your finger and say, hey, that's a bald bearded guy. You look great. And there's some bit of a, uh, a brotherhood there. There's a connection. There's a connection. For sure. Um, well, like 50% of our head is the same. <laughs> The rest, you have to make out the details between the spaces. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, thank you, sir. Thank you. And uh, I wish you a wonderful rest of your day. And thanks for appreciate all you do here. It. Thank you. I appreciate your time and creating the space.